Teamwork, guys. More teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! Boys, every scout in the NHL is out there tonight with contracts in their pocket, and they're looking for talent for winners. Oh, oh, my years of publicity, all the fashion shows, radio thugs for nothing. They come here tonight to scout the Chiefs, the toughest team in the Federal League. Not this bunch of pussies. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 209, Slapshot. Back-to-back listener request. Listener request number 11, brought to us by an old friend of the show, Justin. Yeah, he's going to have no idea. This will be a surprise, I think. I I was actually texting him the other night, and I noticed that he texted me saying we should do this episode, and I never responded. <laughs> so so here you go, bud. It did resonate with me. I did talk to Zach about it. It showed up on the list, and here we are. Yeah, Slapshot is a movie that I figured we would get to eventually. Sure. Sort of like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It was always hanging around. Certainly one of the best sports movies of all time. Hockey season, an abbreviated season, has just started up. This is perfect timing to do it. I do love, and I feel like this era lasted, I don't know, longer than maybe it needed to. Like, these sports movies, where it just seems like everybody that plays sports also, like, smokes cigarettes and drinks, you know? like Well, that was the 70s. I know, like, Bad News Bears. But even, like, <laughs> <The> car- <laughs> even carrying all the way to, like, Major League, there's a similar feel there. Yeah, there was sort of a body atmosphere to sports movies that I think died out probably by the 90s. But yeah, I know what you mean. There's more of like a grimy sports movie feel. Yeah, I like that. This kind of fit in perfect because I've really been into 70s movies lately. Like I keep wanting to buy more 70s movies. I think it's just because it's an era of, you know, I'd always seen like the classic 70s movies, but I think there's... You miss out on kind of the genre niche stuff that I didn't see growing up as a child of the 80s. Slapshot was directed by George Roy Hill, who also would team up with Slapshot's star, Paul Newman, for The Sting, which won Best Picture, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It was written by Nancy Dowd. Yeah, you would not expect a woman writer for this movie. Well, that's your thoughts. I know. (laughs) I'm not going to say that. (laughs) 
I think a woman is plenty capable of writing a funny it's, movie it's or a sports movie. Matt. <laughs> I don't know, just a, a crass movie in the seventies, I guess. So before we jump into our topic at hand, let's do the usual housekeeping. You can follow this show on Twitter at Greatest Pod, and we would like for you to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. You can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we would greatly appreciate that. That's right. Please refrain from uh, Matt's insensitive one star. (laughs) And the hot item of the winter is the new Greatest Moments in the History of Forever stickers. That's right. And I think they're quality, too. Quality stickers. For those of you who received one of the original stickers, not as quality. This is, we've really, yes, we've really upped our game here. And so you can reach out via Twitter to get a free sticker. If you don't already follow us, I'll hit you back with that return follow. Then we can meet up in the DMs, as they say, (laughs) for the uh, exchange of information. We'll send you a free sticker. I sent some out the other night. Worldwide, I think. I have no problem with that. (laughs) So yes, we have plenty of stickers. We'd like all of our listeners to have one. Sort of the secret club of the podcast, if you will, the Certainly, Ask Clown community. Yeah, for a select few. So let us know if you'd like a sticker. I'll keep tweeting about it. And the other big news for the show, which we talked about at the end of the last episode, is we're taking this thing to Letterboxd. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's a right. A movie watching app where you can log the movies you watch, give them star ratings and reviews. I was like, where's it going with this? Are we going on the road? <laughs> Live shows. That's right. <laughs> During a pandemic. <laughs> That's our excuse for why no one would come. The pandemic. <laughs> Not due to total lack of interest. Okay. So people might be thinking, like, are we getting a kickback from Letterboxd? Why are we really pushing this so hard? No. The truth is. <laughs> I'm sure people were really thinking that. Well, like, well, the demand like, is there. Not that we would get These a kickback, guys, yeah. but like, why would we be doing this? And I think my, in my mind, I was thinking, like, okay, well, we could get a nice little community of our listeners together. People could watch the movies that we talk about and give their own ratings and reviews, and then everyone could look at it. Plus, I'm just interested in what people are watching, how they feel about those things, if they like it or not. I don't know. So in lieu of us being able to do an ass clown community event where we can all get together, you know, <laughs> a carnival. That's right. An ass clown carnival. Yes, exactly. This is a place where we can get together and uh, share our love of movies. Yeah. Cause we don't do Facebook stuff and we don't really do much else on the social media landscape. So letterbox is sort of the perfect place. So you can follow me on letterbox. My name is Zach Z a C H 1983. And Matt, just going with Matt Crosby. That's right. Keeping it simple. Keeping it real. So give us a follow. I follow everyone back who follows yeah. me. I don't really have a problem with that. And I'd like to see what you're watching. And you can see how I watch like four movies a day like a psychopath. A lot of uh, <laughs> listeners scheming right now. Oh, I bet I'll follow them so that they follow me back and then I'll unfollow them. <laughs> well, some people do do stuff like that. but Yeah, well. There's a certain place in hell reserved for those people. Yeah. I think, though, we're not going to give spoilers as to like what episodes we're going to be doing. I'm going to be posting the, the movies for the show after the episode's I posted. Know. That's what I was thinking, too, because I have watched like four movies. Because then it's not just 
what we're doing for the show, if we're doing it as a recommendation, and then also this. Well, week I think you can do. I think you can put your recommendations up there. Okay, I just didn't want to blow the cover because everyone would be like, "Well, what movie are they both watching?" Match that. Up. That's true. It would be very easy. <laughs> as if like people are really desperate to know what episodes coming. I know. Next. Well, we don't want to ruin the mystery. <laughs> so yeah, follow us on Twitter. Follow each of us on Letterboxd. Subscribe to the show. We thank you for listening. So let's get into our listener request, Slapshot, 1977, one of the great sports movies. A lot to like here. Paul Newman just playing an insane character. I mean, just the oldest hockey player you've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, even older than Gordie Howe ever was, who played well into his 40s, late 40s even, I think. I love these towns with these size hockey teams. I grew up near one. Being in the Northeast in general, whether it was my time in New York, Massachusetts, or Pennsylvania, I feel like that region of America just rich with these types of areas. The original screenplay by Dowd is based in part on her brother Ned Dowd's experiences playing minor league hockey in the U.S. in the 1970s. He actually appears in the movie as the goon that we meet at the end, Ogie Oglethorpe, who's referenced throughout it. And Ned would actually go on to a little career as an actor. He appeared in things like Bottle Rocket and Wonder Boys, both episodes we've done on this podcast. Yeah, seems pretty crazy. I would not have known that. Hockey at this time in the 70s definitely used violence as a major selling point, especially in the (laughs) minor leagues. insane. Even watching these guys all skate around with no helmets, and I know like up through the NHL that was just the way that it was, but it just seems crazy that this late (laughs) and what we know about sports like that these guys would just be on ice like flying with blades on their feet with no helmets (laughs) well i think the shots with the puck would be like the most dangerous but yeah and based on this movie it doesn't seem like the refereeing was super strict or anything a lot (laughs) was flying it is crazy i do think that this movie's completely exaggerated there's things in it where people would get penalties get kicked out of games much quicker oh yeah even in the rough and tumble minor league days it's, think, a, it's still over the top the charleston chiefs would have just been run out of the league but <laughs> this is insane pre-lockout which you know happened well after this movie in the early part of the 2000s the 2004 or 5 era it's such a stark contrast for people who are hockey fans because once they came back from that lockout and they, they really cracked down on the clutching and the grabbing and the penalties and everything, it became like a much more open, speed-based game. But when you go back and you watch even a game from just a couple years before the lockout, like 2002, it's insane. <laughs> it's like you can't believe that this is the same sport and you've just gotten used to how it looks now. But like people would be hanging fighter. on each other, and there'd be no penalties, oh, like yeah. tackling each other down. And rarely were penalties called. And so you can kind of believe that the game was much slower. And despite the fact that Paul Newman was 52 years old at the time, <laughs> yeah, right. you could kind of buy it. The game was well, just a slower game. I do think that there is some truth to the likes. Some of these minor league teams, or whatever they are, <laughs> these small town teams, they have players on some sort of lower level minor league contract but it does seem like every one of these towns has the captain of the team is actually he's like 40 years old and a teacher at the middle school (laughs) nearby and he's also like somehow the best player yeah i think reg in this movie 
the Paul Newman character is a bit like an older version of Crash Davis. I think a career minor league type. They never even allude to like oh, yeah. going up into the NHL. They don't even really it barely seem, mention the NHL. It doesn't feel like that's on the table for like any of these dudes, except for maybe Sheriff Truman from Twin Peaks. Ned Braden. That's yeah. Right. It's hard to say because I think there is an element of this movie that takes place in sort of a fantasy land that's not based in the real world at all. So it's hard. I to would really agree, gauge. but like he he of any of them seems like he's pursuing some career. I mean, this whole thing where he's dragged his wife along here. I don't know. It, it does seem like he's on some maybe, mission. but I feel like why, why wouldn't they say that? That's there's true. no real hint that there's any future beyond what they're doing. And it doesn't really even seem like they're the level below the NHL. It seems like oh, absolutely. I they'd agree be like that, yeah. a couple levels. Yeah, the, the ECHL. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we'll touch on some of my ECHL experience. Yeah, I have some as well. In uh, Wheeling, which basically is this movie. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I uh, hail from a, an area near Elmira, New York, which is very similar to Wheeling. When we went to Wheeling for something else, I was like, wow, this seems like a town that I've been to. Slapshot was filmed in Johnstown, which is basically (laughs) based this off of the Johnstown Jets, which is the team that Ned Dowd played for. Also an awesome sports movie, All the Right Moves, taking place in Johnstown. And they also filmed in Pittsburgh and Central New York. Slapshot is interesting and it's notable because Paul Newman would usually cite this as the most fun he ever had making a movie and say it was his favorite role. It seems like it would be fun. Which is odd because he was coming off of like three consecutive $100 million plus movies. And this movie only made like $28 million. It was considered kind of a disappointment at the time. It does seem kind of weird that this director made Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid the sting and this. Like it just seems <laughs> off-brand. Yeah, well, I think it had higher expectations, although one does wonder what they thought the appeal of hockey was in 1977. I think at that point in time, hockey was still very regional. The NHL had like barely expanded yet. I think they were just coming off of the two big expansions in 67 and 70 or okay. whatever it was. But it wasn't exactly big outside of the Northeast and in places like Minnesota and obviously Canada, but much of the country probably wasn't that interested in hockey, and so the idea of a hockey movie probably was a strange proposition. Yeah, there's always an appeal to the the fighting in hockey, and I can remember that being a reason as to why people wanted to go to an ECHL game. Yeah. So there is definitely some truth to the subject matter. Oh yeah, even the most absurd moments in this movie are all sort of based off of real events. It's just yeah, yeah. it never it's not like it all happened to one team oh, in sure. the same right. season. But fighting before the anthems, that happened in a game. The going into the crowd, famously <laughs> Mike Milbury in a game between I think like the Rangers and the Bruins, which is an NHL game. Something later that Ron Artest would it's also It's strange how the scene in this movie almost 
emulates that whole incident oh, in yeah. the NBA with Ron Artest. <laughs> right. Even the guy that got hit in the face, he doesn't know who he's looking for. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, like Artest grabs like the wrong guy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like it's exactly the same thing as this movie. It's yeah. crazy. That was such a great moment in my life. <laughs> Being the that Ron guy, Artest. Yeah. you were actually the guy that Artest was beating up, <laughs> even though I wasn't the one that threw something at him. <laughs> That's what would happen to you in really? an NBA game. <laughs> I'd be like cheering for him to go punch this guy, and then he punches me. <laughs> oh God! Great moments in sports history. That's right. Slapshot was a moderate hit, made twenty eight million at the box office. It got okay reviews but later on achieved cult classic status. Even Roger Ebert, who was sort of like lukewarm on it in his initial review, rewatched it a couple of weeks later and ended up putting it on his best of the year list. Oh, that yeah. Year. So it was a movie that took some convincing, I think, for some people because it even had like a special warning under the R rating saying like language <laughs> is really bad because I think... It was a time where like the whole rating system was new and there weren't that many like filthy movies. So they probably thought people will think this is a sports movie. They might bring kids to this. The the language <laughs> is pretty bad. Yeah, for real. There has to be like, I mean, it's not Wolf of Wall Street level, but it's got to be pushing that in terms of how many F words there are. I don't know. I, I kind of think it's not that bad. Okay. Now. All right. Maybe not. Me watching it, I was like, man, it seems like Paul Newman and every other word is like, fuck this. Well, he said that in his personal life, he never really swore that much until this movie, and then he sort of <laughs> it sort of stuck after yeah. doing it. It's hard to put it down. Because <laughs> it is so much fun. It really is. <laughs> yeah, Newman being 52 at the time is strange, and yet when you watch the movie and you just forget about it, like you don't think about what his actual real age is, it all feels kind of believable. Absolutely. I buy the character 100%. Yeah. Maybe it's just because they protect him. They You don't see him skating a ton in this movie. No. Although I was reading about it that that was very important to the director that the actors be able to skate. And supposedly there was some high-profile names that tried out to be in this movie. Yeah. I think, wasn't Nick Nolte trying to be yeah. in it and yeah. he couldn't skate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, back to Jim Carr's Sports Talk. Hi, Jim Carrigan. Uh, Dennis, uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. Uh, could you tell them, for example, uh, what is icing? Well, um, icing happens when uh, the puck comes down, bang, you know, before the other guys, mm -hmm. nobody there, you know. Mm -hmm. My arm go comes out, then uh, the game stops, then start up. Mm -hmm. I see. <laughs> uh, what is high sticking? High sticking happens when uh, the guy takes the stick, you know, and he go. Like that, you know, you don't do that. You don't do that. Oh, no, never, never. Why not? Against the rules. You know, you're stupid when you do that. Just some English pig with no uh, brain Dennis, at all, uh, you know. What is uh, slashing? Slashing is um, like that, you know. Mm hmm. And um, there's a penalty for that? Yeah. Uh, and for a trip also, you know, oh. like that. And mm -hmm. for hook, like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, for spear, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. All bad. Bad. You do that, you go to the box, you know, uh, two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you get free. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. 
I think that went very well. Let's jump into it. We'll go through it. I think people who have listened to this show in the past when we've done more comedic films know that it it's a little bit of a different sure show structure when we're doing comedies just because there's only so many times that you feel comfortable saying oh this part's really funny and just sort you kinda of like, got to just save that for like the one or two things that you found insanely funny yeah because when you're trying to like relay it and then just like redo the lines it's never going to be funny uh, exactly you sound yeah. like an idiot right there's a lot of like comedic stuff in this film that we're probably going to have to just gloss over if it doesn't really affect the story that much, just because I don't really want to try to explain it and then redo the bit. I think that's fine. But needless to say, even a movie that's, what, 43, 44 years old almost? Yeah. It's, it's still pretty good. funny. Oh, for sure. For sure. A lot of it's politically incorrect. There's a few... That makes it funnier. ...choice words throughout. There's some homophobic stuff that would probably ruffle some feathers nowadays but overall it's fairly lighthearted. yeah but that's the thing i think that even though it's a comedy and even though some of the movies that we've cited as being comparable i think probably the biggest comparable might be bull durham which is also a minor league sports movie and a movie that we've done but feels like we didn't because it was so long ago yeah or even a major league, which is much more slapsticky and wacky. And I just think like there is a poignant reality to these that's sort of sad and under the surface. But not sad as in like depressing, but just sort of sad in the way of anybody getting older, which these movies are about people that are chasing their dream and wanting to push onward even though it might come to an end because maybe they don't have the talent to, to go to the next level or whatever. And I'm reminded of that line. It's sort of a throwaway line in major league where like Tom Berger is talking to, I think Renee Russo's character or maybe like her friend, her like hoity toity friends or something. And he's like, mm-hmm. he's basically just saying like how he wants to maybe have one more season in the sun before he hangs it up. And that's sort of like what, is the heart of this movie and they don't really like harp on it too much but it's like you have yeah. this guy who's old and he's this good looking guy he's this matinee idol we know because it's paul newman and it's, he he had this marriage is no longer a thing certainly cleaning up in uh johnstown yeah but or he's Charlestown. ready to like look for something to settle down and he's afraid of the future i think a lot of the characters in this movie are deep down afraid of the future. And just like Major League, the threat of the team folding is like hanging over them. That's right. Or whatever. I think that is an interesting backdrop to the movie. And you could look at something like Bad News Bears or something also. These movies that do have that like grimy, hard edge to them. And it makes the humor stand out more. And it makes you connect to the characters. Because nowadays, I think most sports movies are used to be like, motivational or inspirational you're supposed to like cry or get like very invested in some over-the-top heroic narrative but they sort of gloss over the edges they're all very rounded well i love very comfortable and these movies back then like slapshot it's like the mill is closing i know that's the town is in ruins yeah like that's the thing like this kind of like this town that seems like it's already kind of depressed yeah and and it's it's, about to get so much yeah it's like the what the major employer in town is potentially going under and it's 10,000 jobs which has to be like most of the town this trickle down effect from that now it seems like the team was gonna fold irregardless of that (laughs) probably yeah 
but and so is, your main characters are are just guys trying to chase that thing of like I don't want to have to grow up. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing if you're an artist or a writer or an actor or an athlete or somebody trying to get it going with a band. You're just kind of pushing to try to keep that dream going, even though anything to not have nine point nine percent of people it's it's over at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Hey, as long as you cannot have a real job. You got to keep that going as long as you can. Exactly. In the fictional small town of Charleston, the local mill is about to lay off 10,000 workers and close. I also do like this feeling of how these guys are like kind of just like a part of the community, you know, like all these people in town go watch them play hockey. But then it's also like you just see them at the local CD dive bars all the time, interacting with people, people just walking up, talking about how bad the power play is. The mill closing indirectly threatens the existence of the town's minor league hockey team, the Charleston Chiefs, who are also struggling with a losing season and an increasingly hostile crowd. So we meet Reggie Dunlop, played by Newman. He's the player coach. There's a star player named Ned Braden, played by Michael Onkeen, most famous from Twin Peaks as Sheriff Truman. The first game that they show is hilarious. The local fans heckle them, seem to hate them. The equipment that the goalie uses is like street hockey level quality. Yeah, one of the players on the other team is drunk. Yeah, and says that if he gets hit into the boards, he'll piss himself. This is <laughs> probably what most minor league hockey was like, except exaggerated a little bit. But believe me, I've been in that barn down in Wheeling seeing the Nailers play. Oh, yeah. The crowd... Folks, I mean, it was the family out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre hanging out in there. It was pretty bleak. <laughs> How was the uh, concession food? Okay, yeah, it was scared? all right. All it right, was like yeah. uh, town fair quality. Right. I mean, you can deep fry anything. I think they had like little Pizza Hut personal pan pizzas. All right, I'm into that. One of the major themes of the movie will be, or one of the major plot lines will be. Ned's relationship, his marital troubles with his wife, Lily, which is sort of a hilarious runner throughout. Constantly and I, like at each other's throats, but you don't really know why. Yeah, that's why I called it a runner, yeah. because you don't really get the whole story of her. She is miserable. She's always pissed. She's always drunk. <laughs> Driving. Not happy to be there. And it, so Blasting um, freaking... Fleetwood Mac while she's yeah. like flying over hills in that van. Just driving like 200 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, she is hilarious. I wouldn't say that the actress's performance is great, and yet it's almost like that very like stilted, rigid line delivery makes it even funnier. She always has like this just bitchy comeback very to anything blunt. that like Reg yeah. says to her because Reg is like always shutting him down constantly trying to talk to her I don't really know why he's doing it before he's trying to get Ned to fight well but- there is this narrative I feel like they're pushing this thing and it's not just about her it's about Braden too like that they're the hottest items in town or whatever I feel like Reg doesn't need to spend a second trying anything with her I mean he's got a whole line of I don't think that he's really trying well I think her. that that becomes clear later but I don't know. It seems like he's always trying to talk to her even before the whole that's idea what, Well, that's what up. I mean. Yeah. Like, he, I'm not really sure what he's doing. It seems like he's always trying to press buttons with Ned, who, I don't know. What I was going to say was, she's a miserable bitch. <laughs> and so at first, you're like, she's the worst. He should just get, break up with her. 
And then you realize that Ned is a fucking asshole too. Who oh Ned is goes not out of his way to humiliate her time and time again throughout this movie. And like you said, we never really get like a full story. We know that yeah. she doesn't want to live in Charleston. She's the unhappy Paul. there. This is, I mean, the definition of just resentment. <laughs> it but, seems like she blames him for her being there. Yeah, but we don't get like the whole story. We don't see like what how they interact with each other when they're alone very often or anything like that. So when he does these things to her, which he'll do throughout the movie, which is like she'll force herself to show up to see the team off, and then she runs up and is like, here, I underlined the fuck scenes for you in this book. <laughs> and he just like tells her to get in the van and leave. And he's yeah. just like, he's pissed. And she's like embarrassed because it's in front of everyone. It's weird because Braden is supposed to be kind of the righteous dude on the team. Like he never gets into the, the model that they stand up in terms of gooning it up. But he isn't really that likable. Well, when they get back from the road trip and Lily is waiting with some of the other hockey wives and girlfriends in a car and then he makes the bus driver pull over before they get there so that he can get out and not be there so then the bus arrives from the road trip all the players get off the bus she's waiting there and reg has to like kind of give her a look like a shrug like he's not here yeah and so she just like takes off i'm like it's jesus christ like what is he yeah if he wants to break up with her because she's been a drag and he wants to continue well, to married, pursue this, right? well, divorce her. Okay, all right, yeah. Which is as simple as breaking up with someone. Well, I mean, it's the same. Sure. It means the same thing. You're right. If he wants to do it, then just do it. But I don't know why he's like torturing her when she's like, it seems like she tries to make an effort sometimes and he rejects it because he's pissed that she's been... I don't know, a miserable alcoholic all the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm just, I think Lindsay knows what it's like to deal with someone like that. <laughs> yeah, I do kind of like Lily. She has some hilarious lines throughout it. When Swoozy Kurtz is like, oh, I'm tipsy. And she, she's like, I've been shit-faced for a week. <laughs> to see the three Chiefs make a scoring rush, the bright colors of their jerseys finish flashing against the milky eyes was to see a work of art in motion. Hey, that's good writing, Vicky. Well, I was trying to capture the spirit of the thing, right? Oh, you did. You want a beer to go along with that? It's ridiculous for us to be here. We stick out like a couple of sore thumbs. I'm doing what I like right here. Sure. It's making you crazy, too. You're turning into a zombie. You told me so. Well, I don't want to have a stinking fight again. Rookie goalie Dennis Lemieux huh? continuing his brilliant first season with the Chiefs, with... Passe des joueurs? Huh? Ben oui, passe des joueurs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Denis Lemieux continue sa saison. My father give you a job. Your father give you a job. I'm all for that. Always good to have choices. I just want to get out of this goddamn dump. You take the van, I'll keep the dog. Hey, Lily. Come on. Well, what's the matter with you? You're bullshit. You're really bullshit. You're drunk. You're right. He's bullshit. Yeah? Well, he and I are the only decent items in here. That's great. Why should she give a shit what other people think of her? She's just scrapping. My heart goes out to her. You guys got to stop losing, man. Why don't you get the power play together? Yeah, we'll Is he nice to her? Yeah, we love her. 
tell me I love her. God, Billy Braden's a faggot. Did you ever think of that? You crazy? He has a big cock, like a horse. It seems like even regardless of how this movie plays out, the marriage of Ned and Lily seems oh, doomed. I would say. No matter what. I'm not seeing a lot of years here. In addition to Reg and Ned Braden, we meet the shifty general manager, McGrath, who always seems to be wheeling and dealing behind the scenes as he knows the fate of the team, unlike the players and the player coach who don't know the fate of the team at any given moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> And try to keep it a mystery. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to really vilify this guy too much because you're like, what is he even capable of doing? What, Nothing. What kind of talent can you bring to this team? Well, he could be more open and forthright as to what's going on. Sure. He pretends okay, he doesn't but... know who owns the team, which seems like that's... Questionable? Well, he does know. and well, I... It's not until Reg threatens him by exposing some secret incident that happened where <laughs> yeah. he finally just says who owns the team no i know i mean it seems impossible i guess that he wouldn't know another completely politically incorrect moment that is hilarious because he basically lays out this whole incident that happened where mcgrath was wearing women's underwear and then tried to i don't know make a move on reg and reg was like i was embarrassed for you oh yeah and then he's like the reason i bring it up is to tell you i've forgotten all about it <laughs> After he goes through all the details. McGrath brings in the Hansons. And if there's one thing that you associate with Slapshot more than anything, more than even Paul Newman, it's the Hansons. Oh, yeah. They make the movie, I think. I'm sure there's people that probably are over the Hansons. I think they are in the the sequel movies, which, of course, I've never seen. I've never seen the sequels either. They're straight to video. I think William Baldwin might be in one of Ooh, them. Oh, boy. All right. I don't know. Or maybe, who, what's one of the other Baldwins? Adam Baldwin? Stephen Baldwin? Oh, it might be Stephen, yeah. Yeah, that seems right. But mm. these dudes, it's just such a wild scene from the second they show up. I love their whole energy and, and attitude around hockey. The Hansons are brothers, Jeff, Steve, Jack. They wear Coke bottle glasses. They have long, greasy hair. They're basically simpletons who... Are good-natured goons, I guess you would say. I'd say so, yeah. They're very excited. They love to play with toy cars. That's right. And they like to drink orange soda and grape soda, but none of that stinking root beer. Yeah. At <laughs> some point, the movie takes off and becomes what it is, which is this whole plot of the team gooning it up. But for the when they first show up, they're just sort of like side characters on the team. And I love those couple of scenes, even like in the first game that they're in when they're just like on the bench and there's a couple of like scuffle up moments on the ice and they're like standing up like hitting their sticks against the board like their enthusiasm so is yeah. unmatched even though somehow reg doesn't even play them for the first few games that's right which doesn't make any sense you can't have three guys on your bench that don't play in hockey healthy it's scratch just... no if they were healthy know, scratch they, they wouldn't be on, be on the, on the bench, bench. You can't just waste three spots on guys that aren't going to play. <laughs> yeah. You're at a huge disadvantage. I will say, like this movie became a cult classic amongst hockey fans, and NHL players love it. They love to cite things from it. It's sort of a rite of passage. Players that weren't even born, obviously, when the movie came out, even though the NHL rejected it at first and didn't want to have anything to do with it because it glorified the violent aspects of the game that they were trying yeah, to really. like, steer away from. But... The actual intricacies of hockey, the rules, the line changes, 
different stuff. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. They don't really follow it. It's pro- it's even worse than like Mighty Ducks yeah, in terms of following true. that kind of logic. The flying V seems more believable. In a way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of the stuff that happens, you're like, that could never happen. Yeah, right. But you just sort of roll with it because of the enthusiasm and they just go for it. Even though it, it's sort of a lower level crass movie that does focus on some of the the grimier aspects of the game it never seems like it's making fun of it or taking shots at oh, it it always seems very not. like good natured I, and i feel like it is glorifying the hockey culture and mindset of all sports hockey people definitely pride themselves on like the toughness of hockey yeah and i, I still feel like that's kind of celebrated here i think they still in locker rooms from what I was reading, they still reference like Dickie Dunn, which is like the writer, the sports writer. Oh yeah, played by right. M. Emmett Walsh. Yeah, the guy from. And they uh, they'll say like when there's a rumor and the players are talking about it about like a trade or whatever. I think they still refer to it as like a Dickie Dunn or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah. sort of like a joke. Yeah, that guy's from Blood Simple and Blade Runner and Youth and Revolt. That's right. <laughs> and Camp Nowhere. That's true. <laughs> Very prolific actor. The team goes on a road trip fairly early on in the film. It's That definitely was Shades of Bull Durham for me. Oh, sure. The whole thing yeah. with the bus and everything. I like this whole setup. It, this is like the stuff that would make me want to be a part of this life. Being on the bus, playing cards. It's a 15-hour bus drive, they, they say, at one well, point. you know. Because that's actually a hilarious joke, because McGrath comes on this trip, much to the surprise of Reg and the players, and then when they're in the locker room at the arena that they're visiting to play whichever team he just says something like all right let's win it boys or whatever and he walks through and the guy's like he drove 15 hours on the bus to say that <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile mcgrath is wheeling and dealing trying to find himself a job because he knows the team is about to fold but he won't say that to reg or the players the wild thing about some of these sports movies is it seems like these teams are in deficits that they would like never be able to pull out of in terms of like games that they've already lost. Well, I mean, that's the good thing about Slapshot is they never really tell you they anything. Don't, you, we don't know. You don't know what's going but on. But you just get the sense that they've been losing for a while. Yeah. I do love a bus with curtains. I am a sucker for that look. <laughs> Especially this old school style. There is something appealing about it. Before the game, this is the first game that the Hansons are on the roster. There's a pretty hilarious scene with Reg giving a motivational speech and the Hansons chiming in, which got a laugh from me every time that I watched it in preparation. <laughs> Just I know shouting and getting crazy. When everyone else on the team at this point thinks of them as an embarrassment, although to an outsider and even to people who know about hockey, when you watch it, you're like, why are they an embarrassment? Like You're not really sure what they're freaking out about. I guess it's just they look at them and they think they're goons. It's hard to say. I mean, there's definitely like a childlike quality to them, but they're huge. (laughs) And they seem like they'd be good hockey players. I don't know. The rest of the team is not super thrilled that they're there at first. No. But yeah, they are definitely excited in sort of this pregame chat that Paul Newman's giving. Hey, gang, let's play it smart out there tonight. I want to see a lot of work from you guys. Put your heads on the ice out there. Guys, we all know how to play hockey. Just play it smart. That's right. You're not Derek Stickle. Fuck him, Christ. Pop him. Come on. Let's go now. We need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses to win. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Let's start making a lot of Let's start winning. Let's go to 
time. That's time. what we're here for, guys, to win. Play heads up out there. I mean, let's be smart. Man for man, we're better than any fucking club in the league. And let's put our minds to it. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. We're Finally, McGrath says it will be the last season for the Chiefs, and it'll be announced the next day. So just like your standard sports movie setup, we know we have a ticking clock. We know what the stakes are. I always found it insane in Angels in the Outfield that they're like a last place team at like the All-Star break and end up winning the pennant. It just seems like a hole that you're not going to be able to climb out of. It depends. Okay. I think We've it's seen some magic. theoretically possible. All right. <laughs> Mathematically, they're not eliminated. No. You just have to win the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the appearance here of Melinda Dillon from Close Encounters, Harry and the Hendersons, yeah. and the Christmas Story. She looks good. Yeah, you see her boobs. So if you want to see the mom from A Christmas Story's boobs, watch Slapshot. A lot of people like <laughs> pausing this episode right now. So this is, again, just a little, like, vignette, which is what a lot of the movie feels like for the first half or so, where they're on this road trip, Reg gets a call, it's an old flame, she's currently married to a goalie on another team named Hanrahan, he hooks up with her, she reveals that her and Hanrahan are on the outs because she was fooling around with another player's wife. Very casual lesbian relationship. Yeah. Which takes Reg by surprise, but he files that away because he's like, we're playing them soon. She's like on the run from Hanrahan, which is kind of dark because she says that he put her in the hospital and they sort of just gloss over that as if yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the 70s was just a different time. <laughs> so this little moment here, this intimate sex scene moment will be the thing that sparks the change in the Chiefs. And You got to give Reg credit. He's certainly a man about town and there's... No lack of ladies in his life. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were talking about his plan here for the team, which I'm like, yeah, it's completely ridiculous that he thought of this. He's a genius. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're still. T- yeah, I will always Paul Newman. What <laughs> okay, What do you right. think? Let's, He's got ladies in every down. <laughs> yeah, let's put that to bed. Okay, I won't bring it up again. So his idea, I guess, is like, well, if I can turn this team into a winner, maybe I could get interest in a buyer to keep this thing afloat rather than just straight up fold. Are there a lot of investors for minor league hockey teams out there? I feel like it's no, a very but niche they, market. A lot of them exist, so sure. some people must be interested, I guess. But the way that he decides to turn the team into a winner is not really through traditional hockey, or as, as they keep calling it, old-time hockey, <laughs> like Eddie Shore. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were just like, well, we don't have the talent for that. Yeah, he takes a look at the roster, and he's like, all right, we're going to have to goon it up. <laughs> Which, you know, some people say the Flyers won two Stanley Cups in the 70s doing this very thing, just it gooning it up. could be an effective tactic. So with everyone at a crossroads, especially Reg, who's facing his own mortality, he's now a middle-aged man. Realistically, he's already way too old to be playing hockey, but somehow he's still doing it. Did I mention still slaying it with the women, though? <laughs> His first step is to bend the ear of Dickie Dunn to start these rumors about the Chiefs possibly being sold and relocated down in Florida. Yeah, this is like just pest tactics. Dunn, the local sports writer, takes the bait, hook, line, and sinker. 
when the whole story is total BS, obviously, but he thinks it's a little bit of a lead. So this has like a two pronged effect. One is to inspire the players like, okay, there is hope for the future play better. And two, it sort of sends a signal out into the ether. This team could be for sale. Right. In case there is anyone actually interested in the team. (laughs) No one out there to receive the signal. Sometimes you can't get interest in a a buyer until people know that something's for sale. Yeah. So in lieu of the actual owner looking for a buyer, he's decided to put that out there himself and hope for the best. He's planting seeds. So then the Chiefs play the team that Hanrahan plays for, and the idea occurs to Reg. It's a tie game towards the end when he starts like skating around the net telling him that his wife is a lesbian does feel like a long period of time to like waste not having a player like involved in the action (laughs) to just feel like standing behind the net well no he does move remember he would like go out to the point then he would circle back and be like she sucks pussy yeah it's a very graphic film folks right it is yes (laughs) we're actually cleaning up most of the language there's a lot of terms for homosexuals (laughs) that you can't really repeat hanrahan actually keeps his cool for longer than you would expect well yeah but it is funny that his like reaction is like you know that this is cutting close oh yeah and it's like really eating at him i don't know they have this absurd theory in the movie that if your wife is gay that that would also make you gay somehow <laughs> <laughs> not really sure how they're yeah, reaching yeah. that conclusion but a lot of players seem to think that <laughs> <laughs> and people do get offended by it so this causes Hanrahan to vacate the net. The net's open. The Chiefs shoot it in. They score. They win. And this will be the beginning of a, a turnaround winning streak because of the brawl that ensues when Hanrahan leaves the net, gets the crowd going, and now Reg has an idea. We're going to just take this fighting show on the road to every city. Yeah. We're going to just do that and try to score through thuggery. You almost wonder, too, if... There's a bloodthirst in the town just because of what's hanging over everybody. This mill about to close. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good point that I had also thought of where it does feel like this whole thing is the frustration of a downtrodden economy. And it's like a visceral release, which I think is like very much what hockey was all about for certain people Uh, (laughs) at that time in these regional areas where the sport was big because... It's weird when you think, because it seems like the NFL has just been the biggest sport forever, but in 1977, it probably wasn't nearly as big as it is now. Baseball was still like the biggest sport by far. Sure. And so people didn't really have as much violent release. Pro wrestling was still very regional. Boxing was still big. But I think in these towns that were getting left behind in the 70s, mill towns, mills closing characters right out of out of the furnace that's right <laughs> i was reminded a lot of christian bale braddock yeah. and christian bale and all that stuff yeah i do think that paying like three dollars or five dollars to go down to the arena and just see people punch the shit out of each other yeah, it sounds like a fun night out blow off some steam ned though unsurprisingly a stick in the mud <laughs> just not on board for this turn to the goonish behavior he's like i gotta show off my skill i was trying to lead the league in assists this year (laughs) you'd think that all of the tension with his wife lily would lead him to want to do this and it it does seem a little bit ridiculous that he's a guy that's grown up 
playing hockey, is the best player on the team, and yet is acting like this is some element that is new to the sport. He refers to it as that wrestling shit, like pro wrestling, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think if you were playing hockey in the 60s and 70s, which is what he would have had to have been doing to lead up to this, I think fighting and the physical element of hockey was pretty much what old-time hockey was, which is why I'm always confused by that. (laughs) Because when people say old-time hockey now, I think of what the Chiefs are doing in this movie when they turn to being goons. Well, how sad is it if you're Ned and you're just on this team, your wife is pissed all the time, and all you ever do is lose? Even if it's not in the style that you want, wouldn't it bring you some joy to start winning? Yeah, and I do think that if the movie was solely about his character, we would need a lot more information. Yeah, his motivations are very clear. Is he on a path to make the NHL? I think Michael Onkeen was already close to 30. I don't think there really was that kind of a hope, but... Maybe he's supposed to be playing younger. Yeah. He's not like Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham where you're like, oh, he's a big prospect <laughs> right. no, no, that right. is working up through the system that the team's going to call up or something. There's no indication of anything. So I don't know because if he's risking his marriage to be on this fucking terrible team, making probably less money than he would have made doing a real job, and she's fucking miserable. Like, I don't know. It does seem super selfish at a certain point. Seriously. Because clearly they weren't there when they got together and when they got For married. Sure. And he's brought them there because this is where he could get on a team. Much or to her chagrin, and she doesn't really <laughs> stop talking about it. Ned, also not a fan, by the way, of the uh, Gordon Bombay school of thought. Take the fall, act hurt, get indignant. No, that doesn't really get brought up, though. You would think that a character like Reg Dunlop would maybe give a speech or two about buying some penalties. That's right. Penalties don't really seem to exist in this at all. (laughs) Because when they finally do let the Hansons on the ice for the first time, it seems like a montage of penalties that they're taking. They just get kicked out. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually they get kicked out of the one game. I do like some of the camera work though, during the hockey stuff where like the camera's ice level. Oh yeah. So that seems like they're skating at it and you're kind of like at their skate level. And it's like moving backwards. It's a very cool look. Yeah, I think Mighty Ducks used some of those shots later. That same kind of style. The gooning it up fires up the crowd. And then Reg finally lets the Hansons into an actual game. And they're completely insane, over-the-top <laughs> violent. Yeah. But their thuggish brand of hockey continues to excite the fans. And almost immediately, Reg sees the opportunity to draw much bigger crowds and to make the Chiefs into a hot team and a hot ticket. That's right, a hot product. So even though they're in a place where people might be tightening their belts and really trying to pull together because Dad lost his job at the mill, people still want to go to the games. It's exciting. He thinks he's basically doing a one-man mission to get this team to survive through this goonish style of hockey. That's right. And you can definitely see why the NHL wanted to distance itself <laughs> from the it Hansons at first. almost shockingly violent at times. It did change, and I do think that the Hansons became ingrained in hockey culture, and you see like the actors and stuff appear at NHL games sometimes, and it's all very worked into the fabric. Because at a certain point, the NHL peaked in terms of whatever popularity it was ever going to have. 
I think me being a hockey fan, I was always naive enough to think like maybe there was a path to gaining back what they had lost. I never thought it was going to overtake any of the other sports or anything. And it would all, if it was going to be the fourth major sport, which it is not anymore, but if it was, it would always be fourth. But it never happened. It, It peaked when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, I think, in the 90s. Okay, I do remember that. It's been downhill since then, and they fixed the game. They've done everything they can, more high scoring, faster, whatever, and it, it's never caught on, really. So That's they true. made a lot of mistakes. Obviously, they expanded into markets they should have never went yeah. to. They took teams out of cities like Hartford and Quebec and moved them to places like North Carolina and Atlanta and Arizona, places that would never be interested yeah, really. in it. But whatever. It's too bad, though. Hockey is such a fun sport. <laughs> There's so much to it. And I do think that most sports are fun in the playoffs. But I, I think hockey playoffs are, are right up there as the most fun. Yeah, I do, too. I do think that most people who don't watch it sort of have the idea of it still being like Slapshot. That's right. Which I guess is a an anchor that has had to be around the NHL's neck because of it. But... Like I said, I think that they reached whatever peak they were going to reach, and now they're never going to get there again. So, of course, the feelings on this movie have changed to total acceptance because what does it matter? So there you have it, hockey fans. The fight is over. (laughs) Give up. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think coming out of that lockout when the game completely changed and you didn't have the clutching and the grabbing and the hooking and the holding and you stopped having teams relying on things like the trap, which yeah. made games unwatchably boring. You really did think like, okay, this is a turning point. Maybe they'll turn things around. And the modern game is virtually unrecognizable from the thing you see in Slapshot. There's almost no fighting anymore. That's right. But it didn't matter. It never changed anything with viewers. That's true. Even when they bring in generational talents or, or whatever, it, it doesn't really have any effect. No one really cares. All right. <laughs> so this podcast has turned into like... I'm feeling very upbeat. A requiem for the NHL in America. No, I think it's it's just a niche regional sport, and that's just yeah. where it's at. So any highfalutin ideas of like right. turning its back on things like Slapshot. It's like anything that could have any could be mainstream worse, attention. By the way, could be lacrosse, which is basically non-existent. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> lacrosse never was considered a fourth major sport in the country. <laughs> Although big amongst Ivy Leaguers. One of the highlights is the pregame brawl during the warm-up before the national anthem yeah. that the Hansons initiate, and it cuts to the one... Hanson standing there for the national anthem, like all bloody and stuff. It's one of the best cuts, maybe in movie history. <laughs> it's just so funny, really, because the announcers like, "There's no one out here to stop this." It's like a huge brawl between the teams because the referees haven't even come out yet. <laughs> and then it just cuts to the anthem. Their glasses are all busted up, and they're like bleeding. And <laughs> yeah, that would be great to go to a game and just have it start like that. The puck hasn't even been dropped yet, and both teams are fucking each other up. You know what's weird? When I was younger, like a lot younger, like a teenager and stuff, I probably was like super into the fighting aspect of hockey. And then I, I did hit a point where I was like embarrassed. And I would, when I was, I, the only time they could make Sports Center was yeah. if there was a five on five brawl, and then the goalies started fighting. And I was like, 
I don't know. This is sort of embarrassing. This is what people think of hockey. It seems like a sideshow act. Yeah. Well, I always felt like I wanted to see the fighting, but then never thought that it was actually that cool when it happened. Because I went to some like AHL games too, growing up, both in Massachusetts and I think Binghamton might have had an AHL affiliate at one point. So I was excited to go because, of course, being of the Mighty Ducks generation, you have to like <laughs> hockey as like a kid. So I liked the idea of fighting. It always made me, oh, I want to go to the game and see a fight. But the fights were never actually that cool. People are always kind of like slipping around and never really landing a punch, ripping each other's jerseys off. Ned Braden refuses to take part in the team's new violent antics. So Reg tries to exploit Ned's marital troubles with Lily to get him to brawl, but to no avail. Eventually, Ned ends up getting benched because he won't do it. The brawls continue to escalate until eventually some local police come into the locker room to arrest the Hanson brothers after a Ron Artest-esque melee <laughs> I do like how the, the crowd. police are respectful of the locker room. They're, they're like respectful of locker room privacy. <laughs> you think they would just bust into this place. Oh, it would make things easier. Just yeah. get dressed and come out and come peacefully. But Reg, of course, sees that almost as like PR for his new deal because, like, secretly he's like saying one thing to the police, oh, yeah. and then he's going in there and acting like he's defending them, and then he wants them to get arrested so they'll get that Ogie Oglethorpe reputation. That's right. Ogie Oglethorpe is almost like the shark in Jaws, where oh, they yeah. talk about it Ogie Everyone the whole time. About, there's like so many scenes where he's mentioned multiple times. He's like this mythical figure. Yeah, it's hard to even equate like who he would be like by the time he shows up it mostly feels like a disappointment (laughs) well how how could you ever really up to it i don't really think they've had these type of goons in a long time the type that are actually tough because i think in the dying days of the goon in the nhl the people that would rack up the most penalty minutes were not like the scariest fighters it would be people like sean avery or carcillo or or people like that yeah more like pest type players yeah the actual goons would play eric goddard like three minutes a game at most and they would end up in the penalty box for five minutes for fighting and that would be it and the other people would rack up all the stupid misconducts and all that stupid stuff so it's hard to say like who ogie would even be like it's a dying breed it's like a a goon that existed before we were old enough to even really appreciate it (laughs) <laughs> like a McSorley. Yeah, whoever he was, I think, most certainly had a mustache. <laughs> and no helmet. Right. There were people not wearing helmets into the 90s. I know, because it, it was nuts. They grandfathered they, yeah. that in, where like if you were already in the league when they made the rule, you were allowed to keep not wearing it. Seems crazy. <laughs> now I think everyone has to wear a shield. Yeah. Because even for a long time, people would just be wearing like the helmet with no shield, but now everyone has to have a shield, I think. Which I think is a fair rule. Yeah. Nonetheless, even after the Hansons are arrested, the Chiefs continue to rise up the ranks to become actual contenders for the championship. They keep all of this super vague. Right. We don't see standings. We don't know what's going on. They're just sort of like, we've been winning a lot. All of a sudden, we're in the playoffs now. It's great. <laughs> it's casual. It's a yeah, super yeah. cash playoffs. You know, anyone can get in, basically. Reg is continuing this bizarre flirtation with Lily where you're not really sure what his intentions are. Clearly he's trying to get under Ned's skin. He's always showing up to talk to 
Lily, Lily's always this drunk and pissed. Weird game of cat and mouse that they're playing. He's making certainly inappropriate comments to her, downright saying things like, "Yeah, let's, let's go to bed." bed. Yeah. yeah, it's eerily reminiscent of Paul Newman in The Color of Money, where he pulls the same exact shtick with Tom Cruise's girlfriend Mary Elizabeth okay. Master Antonio. It's this. It's identical the way he acts. It's so weird that they took that and just recreated it. It's not a huge part of The Color of Money, though. It's basically like a couple of quick scenes. Okay. But he says kind of the same shit. Yeah. For different reasons. It's not like the same exact situation, but... I mean, I do think it's hard because he doesn't really break character a lot in terms of like this reg facade that he always has going. It feels like 100% legitimate when he's saying these things, but then I think when we get to like the later part where she actually shows up at his place, it does confirm that he's like not really trying anything here. Yeah. So eventually she does leave Ned and show up at Reg's place with her big St. Bernard. Yeah. Nothing sexual or physical happens. Reg is very preoccupied with his ex-wife Francine who lives in the same town who moved to Charleston. It's like, they do allude to the fact that it's possible that Ned and Lily could become like Reg and Francine. That's it's right. brought up several times. Francine is sort of like the local smoke show. Oh, yeah. I was thinking while watching the movie, like, wow, this Francine lady, just like a hot older lady. <laughs> Look her up on IMDb. Found out she was 36 at the time of the filming. Much older I am than you. 37. <laughs> A hot older lady. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She seems more closer to Reg's age than that. But, you know, people back then just seem more mature. I guess so. We bring it up all the time. <laughs> Reg announces over the radio that he's putting a bounty on one of the players on Syracuse named McCracken. Or I guess he isn't on Syracuse yet. It's confusing because a lot of people just end up on Syracuse at the end of the movie. This also seems like something that I I know it's like a a minor league situation. Putting a bounty on a play. I mean, it feels like you'd be run out of the league for this. Well, yeah, they do have the McGrath being like, we're going to end up in the clinker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's weird that Slapshot predicted the Ron Artest melee and Bounty Gate. I know that is crazy. Slapshot basically just invented modern sports scandals. Really? (laughs) Thankfully, not Ray Rice or O.J. Simpson or anything like that. Oh, no. (laughs) McCracken reminds me of Swearingen from Deadwood. Doesn't (laughs) he sort of look like that dude? He was the prototype for the design of Wolverine in in the original comics. They, like, took that character, and that's, like, that's what he should look like. Okay. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Yeah, all right. <laughs> McCracken uses a stick as a sword. There's like almost like sword fighting with hockey sticks when he gets into that one fight. That's right, yeah. And it reminds me of the fight scenes from Youngblood, the hockey movie with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze, where at the end of the movie, Rob Lowe is like finally going to fight because essentially that's basically the plot of every hockey movie. That's it's right, like, can yes. we get somebody to fight? And even when they tried to go down this road again with the movie Goon, whatever year that came out. Like, oh, yeah, I never saw that. I think that was like, what, 2012 or something like that? It might be even older than that. But yeah, yeah, maybe. Sometime. But that's also, I mean, Sean William Scott is a goon in that movie. 
and it the the whole climax of the movie is the two rival goon characters fighting. I guess that's <laughs> the best angle they have for hockey. Ned gets benched because he won't fight. Lily ends up getting a makeover with Reg's ex-wife Francine. Reg is very much preoccupied with getting back with Francine, who seems to have zero interest. Yeah, but you can understand. I mean, this would be a fight that you would just never give up. Yeah, she does seem like a classy lady. Again, it's sort of similar to the Ned Lily stuff, where we don't really get too much like of a backstory. Francine is never really fully closing the door there either. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Which is, I think, why the ending is the way it is. Because you're like, does she go to Minnesota? Yeah. He seems to think she will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reg is a confident dude. After threatening McGrath with some embarrassing information, he gets to finally find out who knows, who is the owner of the Chiefs. Turns out it is a woman named Anita McCambridge. Now, this is very reminiscent of Major League as well. There is sort of a misogynistic underbelly sometimes to these sports sure, movies. Like, sure. of course, the evil owner is this fucking woman <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't know shit about sports. She's such a dumb bitch. She won't even let her kids watch hockey. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that kind of a thing. And the owner in Major League was, like, this rich woman who was wanting to fold the team That's or right. move the yeah. team or whatever she was trying to do and get rid of her players. They don't quite have the same thing in this movie as Major League where they somehow have like a stand-up of her <laughs> with peel-away articles of clothing. <laughs> One of the best gags ever because you're like, what is this? How is this possible? In 1989, where did they get this? That's right. How would they, they had to go to a Kinko's and make this thing? <laughs> is that her actual nude body under there? <laughs> did she pose for this? God, Major League is a ridiculous movie, but it's so good. It is great. <laughs> so Reg goes to see Anita and discovers his efforts to increase the team's popularity and value through violence have been for naught, as McCambridge's better option oh, yeah. is to fold the team as a tax write-off. I love Paul Newman showing up here with this insane brown leather suit. <laughs> Just a yeah. wild look. The stuff he wears in this movie are so... 1970s right. it's disgusting <laughs> and almost no one else well that's not true a few of the other people do too but a lot of people dress kind of normal like, i would say so he does have this celebrity look and feel to him yeah i think they were maybe modeling a little bit after like joe namath or something he's got like that black leather jacket with like the fur trim on the hood right. and everything it's like an absurd coat that i would definitely have worn at some point in my life yeah, yeah today <laughs> but yeah he's definitely standing out he is probably the big star of this horrible little town that's right something i aspire to be <laughs> well i think we've made it that's right with this podcast i'd say so the horrible little town that we're the star of yeah is the internet <laughs> yes i am in the black for the first time in four years hey, that's great i guess i owe that to you thank you you're welcome so you can sell us real easy then, huh? I could probably get some interest yet. Oh, boy. That's great. Oh, that's just great, Anita. You know, for five months now, I've been trying to prove to you, without ever even really knowing who you were, that you were wrong, and that we could get somebody interested in the Chiefs. We could sew that thing up tonight, you know. We were going to cream those guys. That's terrific. But 
You have to understand that I couldn't make enough of a profit to have a sale be worthwhile. My accountant tells me I'm better off folding the team, taking a tax loss. You mean you could sell us, but you won't? I could probably sell you, but I can't. human beings, you know. I have to confess that I've never let the children watch a hockey game. I have a theory that children imitate what they see on a TV screen. They see violence, they'll become violent. They see someone stick up a bank, they'll stick up a bank. Heroin, you name it. You're fucked. What? You are totally fucked. You're garbage for letting us all go down the drain. Are you serious? You could sell us. We're hot. People go nuts for us. You could find a buyer. I don't think you understand finance. You know, your son looks like a fag to me. You better get married again, because he's going to wind up with somebody's cock in his mouth before he can say Jack Robinson. How dare you? dare you somehow the chiefs end up in the championship game versus syracuse but now reg is all depressed because he's found out that this whole thing has been for nothing he feels embarrassed and this is his last game potentially or at least he thinks so he doesn't want to do the goon stuff he wants to play old-time hockey as he calls it he convinces the hansons they're on board they basically just do whatever he says that's right yeah the rest of the team's like, all right, that's fine. They let it roll off of them yeah. pretty easily that he tricked them into thinking there was hope. And I think they're going to play old-time hockey, which they're going to try to use hockey skills to win a hockey game. But I think he does uh, march out the Hansons in the starting lineup still. Yeah, they volunteer, and he's that's like, right. all right, sure. Yeah, But yeah, I think if I was on the team and I was like horrified at the idea of having to get a real job and like I probably wasn't going to get on another team and I was super depressed. And then all of a sudden there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's hope. We might be moving to Florida. Living in Florida would be great. Oh, it was all nothing. And it was all made up by this fucking asshole on the team who's our coach. Not I think I, don't, I think it would have been pretty pissed. They don't seem to care that much. They're like, no. oh, all right. Well, <laughs> we had fun. You have Killer Carlson, Mo, who's just a creep. creep. Yeah. <laughs> we probably could have talked about him a lot on this podcast, but it's probably better if we just talk about him off the show. <laughs> Outside of the main guys like Reg, Ned, the Hansons, and I guess maybe like the goalie, Denny Lemieux, who has some funny stuff. He's French Canadian, which is always good for a laugh, it's I guess. It's just a fun accent. The rest of the guys kind of all blend together. Killer Carlson is sort of funny because he gets beat up all the time. And the Hansons are like, Dave's a killer. And that other <laughs> dude's like, Dave's a mess. Because <laughs> his face is all beat up. Mo, who is like a sex crazed guy who's probably <laughs> on some sort of a watch list. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> and all of his stories are bullshit. I do like that when he's like trying to tell that story about a waitress at a bar. Reg, it's just like... Get- Get off of me. He's oh, like right. rubbing up against him. And then, the, and then 
Carlson is like, all right, Mo, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just like doesn't even pay attention. I also just love how so many of these dudes, I feel like Mo kind of is what, like so many of these dudes just do not look like athletes at all. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I do think that probably rounding out some of those rosters in the lower levels of the minor leagues in 1977, it probably was kind of like that. Yeah, that's right. Guys that could barely play. Gut hanging out underneath the jersey. Oh, yeah. Well, I think after the first time I went to a, an ECHL game back in like 08 or 07 or whenever it was, I did look into how much some of the guys would make. And it was like $20,000 or something. Yeah, that's so you tough had to, to live off. You had that for like part of the year. And then these guys would have to have like other jobs. Summer and a lot job. of them would probably have other jobs even during the season because I think... In the ECHL, most of the games are on the weekends and stuff. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, that would be if you're not somebody draws. who's like actually got a contract with the big club, it's it's a rough life. You really have uh, to yeah. want to do it. I would say so. I think you just have to really enjoy the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the hilarious turn of events in the championship game is that in preparation for facing Charleston, which has now developed this huge reputation as a goon-filled team, Syracuse has stacked their roster with every available goon on the market, including guys that <laughs> seemingly were playing for other teams Well, that's what I'm saying. They're just the going movie. out and like acquiring this talent. <laughs> because for some reason, winning this stupid cup, the Frontier League or whatever it's called, the Iron League or yeah, yeah. something, that, that apparently is so important that we need to shuffle the roster that's around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But and, that is like a hilarious like rundown of everyone and their crimes and misdemeanors. <laughs> like when <laughs> the announcer's announcing their lineup. <laughs> he hasn't been heard of since the Reg Thorpe incident or whatever it yeah. was. <laughs> this isn't a hockey game, it's a circus. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I can't explain this delay. I don't know why Syracuse has elected to miss the warm-up. The Chiefs have already skated over to their bench. Uh, well, it just might be that Syracuse is afraid to come out here tonight and face the Chiefs. And then, oh, thanks, Bill. Oh, good heavens. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed the Syracuse roster, and it appears the Syracuse Bulldog management is just real thirsty for a big grudge match type victory here tonight. They've actually brought back, just for this one contest, some colorful names for the best. Oh, and here they come now, led by oh, someone we all know very well, Tim Dr. Hook McCracken. And here's a name from the past, Ross Mad Dog Madison. Ross, as you well know, never travels anywhere without his longtime friend and attorney, Sam Smallprint Lyman. And here's a name for you nostalgia fans. Clarence, Screaming Buffalo, Swamp Town. I'll never forget an exclusive interview I did with him many years ago when Buffalo revealed that he liked to call his hockey stick the Big Tomahawk. And he usually refers to the opposing players as the Little Scalps. I thought he'd been suspended forever. Andre Poudel-Lucier, defense. Andre, of course, has been living in semi-seclusion in northern Quebec ever since the unfortunate Denny Pratt tragedy. Not Poodle. And from mile 40, Saskatchewan, where he now runs a donut shop, number 15, former penalty minute record holder of the Federal League for the years 1960 to 1968, inclusive Gilmore Tunnel. Oh, gee, hold the phone. Oh, this is an unscheduled surprise. It's him. 
on this young man has had a very trying rookie season. What with the litigation, the notoriety, his subsequent deportation to Canada, and that country's refusal to accept him, well, I guess that's more than most 21-year-olds could handle. Who guilt you? After being crushed during the first period, McGrath, completely disgusted, comes into the locker room and tells them that various NHL scouts accepted his invitation to the game as he was hoping the Chiefs' escapades would get them signed. Don't really know why the scouts would be interested in any of these people. (laughs) It doesn't seem like many of them would have NHL careers. It defies even the already shaky logic of this movie where you're just like, what? What? That because they get into fights that the NHL would be interested outside in Outside of Ned, the idea that any of these guys would have any future in hockey outside of... And we're just of- taking their word for it. Oh, sure. Ned. We saw him score one great goal in the first game. Never again, because yeah, yeah. there never really are that many goals shown. Right. <laughs> I think we see one of the Hansons score a goal, and that might be it. The That's rest true. of it is fighting. Yeah, I... <laughs> Right. Okay. Either way, we're not seeing a lot of future for uh, the talent that we're seeing on the ice. The Chiefs then come out of the intermission swinging because Reg gives them the green light to go back to it. They've reverted to their previous violent approach. Francine and Lily arrive all done up with fur coats for this game. That's right. I thought that was actually a pretty Just funny two moment. two elegant ladies. Yeah, when they walk in to where the actual game is, like when they're going to their seats and Francine sees like the five-on-five brawl going on, and she's just like, oh, yeah, this is why I stopped coming. That's right. (laughs) Ned is the only one not participating. It seems like it's two bench-clearing brawls going on, except for Ned, who's sitting on the bench refusing. You are just like, is is there a game even going on? Yeah, because I don't, I mean, I don't know how things were back then, but at the very least, everyone would have penalty minutes. Who who would play? I know. (laughs) Ten-minute game misconducts all around. However, when Ned sees his wife cheering on the Chiefs... I mean, I don't know if you saw the Junior Goodwill games, but Dean Portman was thrown out for accidentally nudging a ref. Well, that's kind of what happens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's not really a nudge, it's a full-on punch. Sure, sure. But I mean, it's the same idea. Yeah, yeah. Ned sees his wife cheering on the Chiefs. He joins in on the fun then, albeit in a non-violent way. He skates on the ice and performs a prolonged striptease amidst rousing cheers from the crowd i would not be into this (laughs) i might be into this yeah you'd be like this is a guy just going for it well at this point you've paid money to see this championship game and it's just turned into a disaster pointless fight which again i do think that there is a segment of the hockey fan base even probably now in in 2021 that still feels that way about the fighting but it's mostly a minority i think like if you're at a game in person and it's sort of like a, a very intense affair and there's maybe someone on the other team who's pulling some some shit or whatever, you can get into a fight. But a lot of times this like stupid clown bullshit where it's like a five-on-five five fight right at the opening puck oh, drop right, yeah. because of some bullshit that happened like two months ago or whatever. Or player X checked player Y from behind so player Z and player A yes. fight. Because like the two players that were involved in the incident, one is a star player, one is a guy who's actually too afraid to fight. So then the two goons from each team will fight because of that other incident. That's You're right. like, yep. what, what is it's this? A formula. It's stupid. 
I get that like some of these people are excited by the fights, but don't you want your team to win? And you can only win by scoring goals. Yeah. At a certain point, I'd be like, what? What is this? But I just Why mean, is this like, happening? When, if I saw Ned doing this, I, I guess as like a viewer of the movie, you're like, all right, he's embracing the culture a little bit. Like he's not gonna the fight. show business element. Yeah, yeah. He's like starting to get in. That's his version of contributing to this. But if I was like in the crowd, I would not understand what this dude is doing. You didn't want to see Sheriff Truman's dirty crack? Well, I did, but not until 11 years later on an episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah, I don't know. I would think that at that point I would just embrace like how insane this is. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, well, maybe others are going to start taking off their clothes. I don't know. The band starts playing some burlesque music. Everyone's into it. I guess the moral of the story is get a makeover and your husband will like you. Or is it that she just shows up at the game? Is that all he really wanted? She's at the game in the first scene, though. The first game. He looks at her and she like lifts her yeah. flask up. <laughs> she brings a flask. I guess maybe he wanted her game. to come to the game and be interested. I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's just resolved for some sure. reason. And you're yeah. not really sure why their marriage is okay now. Good enough. <laughs> McCracken on Syracuse ends up punching a referee <laughs> for dismissing his protests of Ned's actions. And so the referee disqualifies Syracuse, granting the Chiefs the championship. What a way to win it. I know. It's such a ridiculous, stupid way to win this game that I love it because this movie has never at any point been about like actually playing hockey or showing the goals or showing even how they win these games. We get a scene. Why would you want a real game now? Yeah, I know. It has to end in a terrible way. We just get to the end credit sequence of them sitting around a campfire singing. We are the champions. (laughs) I've paid my dues. (laughs) Paul Newman playing guitar. God, how many times did me and my sister rewind that to just watch the ducks singing? Oh, I know. So the Chiefs have a victory parade for this little championship, but it doesn't really matter as far as the franchise is concerned because the Chiefs folded, finished, done. Lily and Ned are in one of the cars arm-in-arm, so everything, I guess, is fine. She still has her hair like done up, and she's wearing makeup, though. I guess that is the answer. It must be, yeah. (laughs) Keeps them interested. I do think that Ned does like defend her even when they're pissed at each other and... going through it because he does at one point like yell she's the only piece of ass in this town they definitely have an undeniable bond they both kind of think they're too good for everyone they both seem to like repeat that mantra a few times Uh, and they are like aligned together on that yeah like we went to college and the rest of you are morons right basically yeah (laughs) because no one from charlestown aka johnstown yeah ever would have as we learn again in all the right moves Tom Cruise, he did eventually make it. He did eventually get that scholarship. But, I mean, he went to the, the mill. The elusive white cornerback. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Reg accepts an offer to be the player coach for the Minnesota Nighthawks. Pretty cool team name, I have to say. Yeah, it would be cool if it was the Minnesota Waves. No. <laughs> the Minnesota Nighthawks. No, yeah, Nighthawks is a badass name. His plan is to eventually bring all of his teammates along to Minnesota. (laughs) Which also seems like a pretty crazy move. Francine, meanwhile, is planning to move to Long Island. She's moving all of her stuff there. She realizes that Charleston's a dead town. 
She can't have her beauty salon there anymore. It took her a while to come to this conclusion, something we could have told her 20 years ago. Well, when the mill went out of business, That's right. the wives couldn't get their hair did anymore. That's a good point. So she's trying to go to Long Island, but Reg seems to be confident that she'll end up in Minnesota, too. I was wondering what you thought about that ending. Do you think she ends up in Minnesota, Francine? I feel like Reg thinks she's going. And if Reg thinks it, then we all think it. I, I do. I just feel like he can will it to happen. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering if this movie had done better, if there would have been a sequel with Paul Newman involved. Probably not. Seems crazy. I guess on the Francine thing, it does seem like it's hard for her to exist in a universe where she's not in the same town as Reg. Yeah. I just think she can't get away from it. She's got to be showing up at the bar on Friday night and see him there. And they might not get together, but there's always that idea that, it could happen again. I wish my life had had go. more of the Reg Francine dynamic going on rather than the Lily Ned dynamic where it's completely insane. That's true. Just so much hatred and resentment and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Just constant humiliations for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, the Francine situation certainly would be more fun. Yeah, she seems like a fun lady. I think so. You look terrific. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, she's confident, too. They're a confident couple. Yeah. Even though Paul Newman, one of the big movie stars of all time, could have been linked with any number of women, probably, you definitely look at Francine and you're like, yeah, this makes sense. I think so. It's a power couple. So that's Slapshot. Yeah. It's a funny movie. A lot of the funniest stuff maybe doesn't age super great. Really? Maybe one of the all-time great sports movies. Yeah, I think personally on a on a minor league sports level, I think I prefer Bull Durham, but Bull Durham is much more to me at least about a lot of different characters and like more about the relationships and stuff. Slapshot teases tons of things that would make it really great, but it's sort of like held yeah. back because you don't really ever commit to like the full story of anything. And- even like trying to do it for this podcast, you almost have a hard time remembering everything that happens in it just because like things are cut together like so quickly. Yeah, it's a lot of little comedic interludes. It's like, oh, this radio station interview is funny. Oh, they do a fashion the show. The fashion show yeah. at the beginning, which again, a lot of which can't repeat. Stuff like that that's sort of just randomly thrown right. in there to be funny. And a lot of it works and it is funny, but it, it's not really a cohesive story in that sense. I just think that if you're going to compare it to like a Bull Durham or something, it's like you totally get the characters and you get what's going on. For sure. Whereas this, it's like, I wish they would have picked either Reg and Francine or Lily and Ned. And like develop it a yeah, little bit and just, more. Yeah, so we know what's going on. I think if we would have got like a few scenes of just Lily and Ned yeah. by themselves, like their home life to explain things, it could have been interesting. That really wasn't the point of the movie. I think it's much more slapsticky and lighthearted than that. Yeah. Which is fine, and it's a classic, and I love watching it, but it doesn't have that same hold over me as, as like a Bull Durham or something. But yeah, I would agree. It's probably in that upper echelon of sports movies. Yeah, when I think movies. of sports movies that should have won an Oscar, this comes to mind certainly over something like Rocky. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. Well, anyway, Justin, thanks for the recommendation. Thanks for always listening. We appreciate it. Yeah, and if you have a listener request, 
you can let us know on Twitter at Pod. There's no guarantee that we'll do it, so relax. Yeah. I think a few people have figured out that the the secret is to maybe pick something that's pick Zach like likes. five things yeah. and let us choose amongst those five. <laughs> Always be prepared. And it's not necessarily that we don't like the things. There are a lot of movies that I think both you and I like that we probably just won't ever do. Or we th- say we're never going to do, and then one day we'll do. Well, yeah. I mean, who knows how sure. long we'll keep doing this bullshit. But, yeah. I just think, like, there's certain topics that it's hard to do. Yeah. And Slapshot is, again, sort of like the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's on the edge of things that we might not be able to do for completely different reasons. The girl with the dragon tattoo, because, I mean, it is sort of grim. There's a lot of rape. <laughs> <laughs> And murder, yeah, tied in with like very horrible murder in graphic detail. Whereas like this is like a comedy, and we don't always like to do comedy. It's a it's a hard genre to tackle to talk about in a way that's interesting. Yeah, I think maybe one day we could do a give us a second, maybe like our favorite comedies or something, and just sort of like do a list. But like actually going through a comedy as if it's the same thing as like a serious movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're going through the plot, and it's like we have to gloss over a lot of Slapshot because it's like it's just done for the jokes. Right, right. And it's like, what are you going to repeat the jokes? I mean, that doesn't really work. So You could sum up the plot of Slapshot in basically one sentence. <laughs> All right, I want to hear this. What's the sentence? <laughs> cool old dude convinces team to goon it up to try to save the franchise. Uh, yeah, well, I think... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could probably sum up most movies with one sentence if you wanted. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Let's get to recommendations for this week. Do you have one? I do have one. Streaming on Netflix right now. I, I can't remember if it was a 2017 movie. I think that's it. Doesn't right. matter. Okay. <laughs> Midnight Special. It was a movie that I liked when I saw it in the theater. I think I it maybe made my top ten list that year. Towards the bottom, I did enjoy it quite a bit. It, it, there's definitely a lot of it that has sort of a, a throwback to Spielberg type feel. There's parts of it that kind of feel very similar to E.T. But the actual story kind of doesn't really land. I, I feel like there's just like not enough there to to truly be enjoyed <laughs> on that level. Great recommendation. <laughs> but I well, I still think it's like fun and, and worth a watch. My at. memory is that the first half and like the setup is really cool, yes. and you're you're really interested, and then what it delivers it never is goes not, anywhere, right. and yeah. the the ending is terrible. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. But I still think it's. I would still say it's. Who's worth a all watch. in that? Michael Shannon. Uh, Michael Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton, who just I, I, it seems oh, like yeah. he has like a million credits. Kirsten Dunst. Right, okay. she shows up. Yeah. So and Adam Driver, of course, is in it as well. Oh, I forgot he was in it. But I, that's I, on I, Netflix. Yeah, and I do think it's worth a watch, and and it is in, enjoyable. It just it doesn't quite. There was it starts off with a lot of promise, and then just doesn't really deliver the way you would hope. My recommendation is a classic 90s domestic thriller in the same vein as plenty of other movies, maybe like a Lakeview Terrace or something. Okay. Called Unlawful Entry from 1992. Which is, that is a great title. 
starring Kurt Russell, Madeline Stowe, and Ray Liotta. Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe play a married couple that experience a break-in where the guy holds a knife to her throat. Ends up everyone's okay, but they're very shaken up. They get involved with this policeman played by Ray Liotta, who at first seems very friendly and helpful. <laughs> let, let me guess. Does it turn out that he's not friendly and helpful? Well, he gets his little eyes set on Madeline Stowe and... Oh, okay. Well, you can't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Madeline Stowe is, like, incredible looking in this movie, by the way. I was, like, freaking out. (laughs) Like, knocking on my neighbor's doors just to yell, God damn, in their face. You gotta come over and check this out. (laughs) Yeah, she's unbelievable, and you can kind of see why Ray Liotta becomes obsessed with her. And he terrorizes them, and he tries to get in there. And, you know, it, it becomes very much like a poison ivy or something you know where like he's gonna replace the husband and he goes to all kinds of crazy lengths it's pretty paint by numbers in that sense but it's very exciting intense i enjoyed it thoroughly gave it three and a half stars on letterboxd okay all right and so i'd recommend it it, it's definitely streaming on stars it might be streaming other places as well all right a lot of times stars has some overlap with amazon or whatever so it might be out there somewhere i'm gonna search for it i always like to see madeline stowe looking good oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) where'd she go i guess she just aged out i don't know i think i've seen her she might be like on some tv shows or something yeah I'm sure I'm sure she's seemed like she had like a big thing going in the late eighties, early nineties. Man, have you ever seen Stakeout with Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfus? It's been quite a while, but I have seen it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Madeline Stowe, folks. (laughs) Yeah, twelve monkeys. That'll do it. That'll do it. All right, so that'll do it for Slapshot. Follow the show on Twitter at greatest pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Podbean, follow us. On Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby, thank you so much for listening. Let us know if you want a sticker. Oh, yes, and stickers. Tweet at the show. We'll do the address exchange over DM so not everyone will see your shame for requesting a sticker. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. It's free. Just let us know. We'd love to send out the stickers. And for those of you... Oh, and maybe also a personalized note from me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and for those of you who have already requested a sticker and when you get it, maybe just let us know just so that we're not wondering if they're just floating out there in the ether. We want to make sure everyone who asked for one actually gets it. Absolutely. So, all right, we'll talk to you real soon. Maybe maybe a return of Give Us a Second is in your future. Not going to rule it out. So maybe you don't want to have to wait a whole week. Davey White, where is he tonight? He's sleeping with her in a Tennessee town and he's fine I think I lost my mind and my wasted time I'm dreaming alone in a hotel bed and he's mine Bought a gown to match his name Kept my virtue just the same So I could offer to my Watched him as he turned away 
I'm telling you, he jumped us. Sure did, huh? I mean, gloves off, stick down, no warning. He challenged the Chiefs. Call us names. Call us names! But Dave was there. Dave's the killer! Yeah! Yeah! Dave's the killer! Dave's a mess. Yeah. 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 Yeah.